He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotify, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the always delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postaliris. Opa, Alex. Opa, how are you? It feels like forever. I know it does feel like forever. We we took a little summer hiatus. We did. We did. And you did something really extremely incredible. I did. And uh I did a little something myself. And yes, you uh, did. We thought we might uh let the cats out of the bags, so to speak, and uh share what we've done. I, I've not spoken to you now in at least five weeks, maybe six. That's because we didn't, yeah, we didn't do anything right before I left. So yeah, it's been, it's been five, six weeks. Mm. Did you miss me? Of course. (laughs) Good answer. Good (laughs) answer. You're so smart. You're absolutely missed when you're not here. We thought about you all the time. Wondered, I just kept hoping that you were having a, a great time and the time of your life and enjoying each and every moment. I will admit there were times I thought, I wonder if Alex is tired of it yet. Cause you know, it was a pretty long trip. Um, but uh, yeah, you were missed. Thank yeah. you. And no, I have to, I, I missed you guys. I did. I thought about you all the time. Um, I did not get tired of it over there. In fact, I have to be honest with you. It's a lifestyle for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. You know, there are places that I saw that I loved and I'm so glad I got to see. Um when you do things on a cruise, you go to ports of call, you know, they're, they're the tourist places. Having said that, I'm glad I saw them. I also now know what I crave when I go back and what I want to do when I go back. But I did love every minute, even in sometimes 107, 108 degree temperatures with 85 to 90% humidity and fires chasing me across Europe. Wow. So we finally let the cat out of the bag. I was going to say, people are probably asking, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I gave a spoiler alert. (laughs) No, no, no. So that was just like the cream. That was the cream. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so why don't you, if you would give us the, uh, the, the one minute full city excursion that you took from beginning to end, and then we'll dive in deeper. Okay. Just just the 
I started here. We went here. We went here. We went here. We ended that, that. Perfect. We all get a feel for where you were. So flew into Naples and had a car pick us up and drive us down to the sweetest little town called Vico Equenza. We were in Vico Equenza for four days, took a car up to Rome. We were in Rome for two and a half days from uh, Civita Vecchia, boarded the cruise ship and we were in Mal Greece and Malta for 10 days, landing in Barcelona and five days in Barcelona and then back to San Diego. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you did Italy, Greece and Spain. And Malta. And Malta. Wow. So of the four, which was your favorite? Well, given the nature of this trip, I am going to say Vico Equenza in Italy because I had four days in one location where I got to absorb the city. Mm -hmm. And honestly, and this nerd alert, because I am a big old nerd. I fell in love with the people at the hotel. The uh, We made friends there, number one, but also the staff at the Hotel Oriente in Vico Equenza became friends. When I left, I actually got teary. They got teary. We hugged each other. I felt like I was leaving family. They, we, even with a language barrier, we got to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, so, that was busy and tiring and relaxing and fun and all at the same time. So did you say Vico Equenza? Vico Equenza. Vico Equenza. Mm -hmm. Is that north of the Amalfi Coast? Is so it it's directly across. It's south of Naples. And I did, uh, we met this lovely mom and her son that were staying in the same hotel there from Paris. And so she had a car. So we hung out with them for a day and went over to Positano, which is where I really wanted to stay. But that was a little out of my price range. The cheapest hotel in the heart of Vico Equenza was at a place I really wanted to stay because it was from a book I read. And that was about... $1,500 a night. So we didn't stay, but that's how we kind of found out about Vico Equenza. So it was directly across. So we we did, we drove around, um, drove across to Positano and um, Amalfi. Um, we also took a boat over to Capri for a day. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. It's the, the, the scenery was just stunning, just stunning. So we we talk about Yaya all the time on mm -hmm. this show. Uh, then you went to Greece. I did. Your homeland. My homeland. Well, it was I, the second. I did go to both my homelands, except for I didn't make Sicily, but true. it was in Italy. That's true. Sicilia. Mm -hmm. uh, so, well, which felt more like home? I'm going to say Italy because I got to spend time there. Right. Greece was on the cruise. I had moments in Greece that made me feel like I know where I belong. I had that in Italy and I had that in Greece. I learned some things about my history. Um, you know, my family, my Yaya, the one we talk about mostly, was from Constantinople. 
and then kicked out and sent over to Thessaloniki. We've, we've talked about this. Uh, so on one of the tours in Mykonos, I learned about the Greek Orthodox Church, the schism, um, about you know the importance of Constantinople with the Greek Orthodox Church and the main Greek Orthodox Church being St. Constantine and Helen, which is the name of the church that I grew up attending here in San Diego. Hmm. Uh, and so when the tour was over, I got off the bus and our tour guide, Artemis, that alone, the name alone made me fall in love with her because in high school, we did a whole Greek festival thing and I went as the goddess Artemis. My dad made me a shield and a bow and arrow and everything out of wood. Um, so I walked up to her with my hands kind of, in, you know, like I wanted to say something. And in pure Yaya fashion, she said, tell me, tell me. So I explained to her, I got a little teary about, you know, really appreciating the history lesson and learning more about the importance of where my family came. And the next thing you know, and she was a big woman, she just threw her arms around me, and she's kissing my cheeks and hugging me. And, you know, then, of course, I cried harder because those are the things I do. I get emotional. I do. do. I'm an emotional sap. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's it's. It's so much better than the other way. Yes. Yes. No. If you had to pick one way or the other with absoluteness, you couldn't, you know, be a a combination of both. Which would you pick? Emotional. Of course. You know, I mean, I think when you are, you have that, I mean, you can't be over emotional. But I think when you possess that, you possess empathy and compassion and kindness. And emotional is different than dramatic. Dramatic, yes. (laughs) That's a completely different league. You know, quiet emotion is really very beautiful to observe. Loud, obnoxious emotion. Well, you know, it's a very different story. I agree. And, you know, the things that touch me, it, it's, it is that connection. Um, in fact, one of the last nights I was asked, what was your favorite part of the trip? And my answer was, I mean, granted spending the trip with the people I went with, but honestly, the thing that got me the most were the connections I made. The, the friends I now have, I met friends from right just outside of Amsterdam, a really lovely young gay couple, just they were so much fun. We spent the day in Sorrento with them, the mom and son from Paris that we're still communicating via WhatsApp, right? sharing our, you know, our life with each other, the staff at the Hotel Oriente, some of the staff on the cruise ship. By the time I got off that cruise ship, there was one member in particular that would say, I've got to hug my mama, Alex. I got to give my mama, Alex, a kiss on the cheek because he just started opening up to me and and sharing some of his woes with me. And I just would kind of get stern with him and say, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And I need you to take care of yourself. And, uh, you know, people, these young people, he's such a sweet um, and honestly, I don't even think he was that young, um, but younger than me, certainly. Uh, but uh, by the time I walked off that ship, we hugged each other and told each other we loved each other. Mm. And it was it was heartfelt. It wasn't 
you know, oh yeah, you know, I love you. It was, it was, we dove in and had some heart to heart conversations. So you were on the ship for 10 days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a long time to be on a ship. Uh, it doesn't seem like a long time, but you do create some bonds because you're holed up with these people. Yes. I mean, literally that's, you know, you're, and you're in the, you, you have a routine on the ship. And so you're seeing the same faces on a daily basis. Uh, and they do become like family having worked mm -hmm. on a ship. I, I can recognize that very easily. I still, still to this day, and I, it was 1986, 87, when I worked on a cruise ship, I still to this day have friends from that experience that came on for a week. And we, to this day, you know, remain friends. And what did you, now you were performing on the ship. Correct. I was a hooligan. Yes, I was a hooligan. A hooligan. Uh, we were. Yeah. Say that again. You were a what? A hooligan. <laughs> we were the the younger brothers, in quotes, of the shenanigans. Uh, and the shenanigans uh, was a group that was produced for the ships, three man musical comedy routines. Uh, and they did two. 30 minute shows, very quick paced shows. And uh, when I went on, uh, we repeated the shows twice a night. We had a white show and a black show. And that was because we wore whites on the first night and blacks on the second night. But in the course of that 30 minutes, we probably sang 80 tunes. I mean, it was just a lot of quick bits and funny funny bits uh we had a lot of medleys i think i was i do i think i remember i was carmen miranda in one of them i mean it was just you know crazy. <laughs> it was like the needham and brothers you know before the needham and brothers even zanier than that oh my god that that's saying a lot yeah it was it was it was one of those shows that when i first got cast and first did the show i would be panting by the end of that 30 minutes and dripping i was like a, a like a tiny little skinny little thing on that ship because of that show because at the end of 30 minutes i was just rip dripping dripping but then by the end of the cruise or the end of my contract it was like you know i was sailing through it it was just that difficult in the beginning it was like starting on a treadmill you know and having to work your way through it but it was fun. But I digress because I started talking about me and this Wait. is about you. What? Well, what? what? Yeah, well, but except for that, I do have to say uh, at my time on the ship, right? And I, you know, was talking about, you know, some of the things I love because part of, of, of the cruise was an educational seminar as well. It was a Nestor Hicks seminar. And uh, everybody's like, you know, you should really think about getting a job on a cruise ship. I said, you know. I have lots of friends who've done it and most of them do speak fondly, but I also know that it can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. It can be a difficult time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just depends. And you obviously would know better than I about how you're treated, whether you're treated with kindness and respect or whether you're treated like, you know, entertainment fodder. It really depends on how you fall in the hierarchy on the ship. So we were uh, employees of Royal Caribbean at the time. 
and we were considered the headliners on the ship. So we were treated pretty well, although there were three of us and we shared two cabins. So I had a roommate the entire time I was on that ship and you know how small those cabins are. But otherwise, we could sun on the passenger decks. We could uh, be seen anywhere the passengers were. Uh, we didn't have any real restrictions. We had commitments and we had to be at every single commitment. Whereas the dancers and those that were in the ship show, uh, they were more uh, regulated. They they had smaller, even smaller cabins, and they couldn't sun on the tanning deck. They they couldn't go to certain places. I don't think they could be in the casino, for one. I don't think that they, as I recall, ate in the dining room. There were certain things that they could have and certain things they couldn't have. But I will say at the time, so this was Royal Caribbean and the, all the ships ran this way. Um, there was definitely a sense of racism on those ships within the hierarchy. And quite honestly, the Europeans were not treated very well. It was Norwegian ship so the asian workers were treated even less well i mean there was definitely that sense on that ship now we're talking the 1980s i'm assuming there's been some change but those ships do operate as traveling cities so to speak there mm -hmm. there is a captain and he rules and there is a uh they don't call them jails but there is a jail i can't remember the the lingo for that but there is one you know it's set up so that order can be maintained if necessary and that was something that the crew took very very seriously you didn't want to break the rules it would be very embarrassing number one and you'd probably be kicked off the ship if it was bad enough so you you really you know, wanted to make sure that you observe the rules, especially if you were hired by a third party, like an entertainer would have been hired by a production team, because now you're not only upsetting the ship, but you're upsetting the producer, mm -hmm. right? So there are other people that know. I will say, though, that although at the time I was bored out of my mind, I should have known then that I really wasn't, I really wasn't cut out to perform because there were, there was a lot of time downtime and i had a fabulous time but i remember then feeling like oh there's got to be something more than this and when i went back uh got off the ships and, and started working on land again i started doing more managing and uh coordinating and then eventually producing and writing but because i realized it just really wasn't enough it was fun those 30 minutes were great four times a week but yeah, it just wasn't quite everything. And you get into a rut because it's, for you, it's the same routine, mm -hmm. whether it's weekly or every, you know, three day, four day or two weeks, whatever it is, it's a routine. Passengers come and go and you see, and that becomes a bit uh, hard on the soul. Yeah, it does. When you see that happen over and over again, you start to feel a little lonely. 
uh, unless, of course, you have a relationship on the ship, which most people don't. You know, a lot of those workers had families and they were mm -hmm. working to support their families mm -hmm. in other countries and never saw them. I was lucky because I had a family that lived in South Florida and we docked there every Saturday or Sunday. So, you know, there were many, many times I didn't see them, but on Christmas and on other holidays when we had a break, people would come to my house off of the ship. They'd go Aww. to the Pilatas. Yeah. So, oh, so I, I love that story. Yeah, I was lucky that way too. Yeah. But ships are very, very difficult. Um, I think unless you're lucky enough. Now I was talking to Derek uh, Ostrovani and we're going to have him back on mm -hmm. for those of you who've heard his last interview with us. He is a, an illusionist and a sleight of hand magician and a, a really, really, really excellent one. Mm -hmm. So he does the ships and he has a newborn at home and, you know, he wants to limit the amount of weeks he spends on a ship. Although the money is decent, it's not going to make him a millionaire, but he has no expenses while he's on that ship. Everything is covered, right? So mm -hmm. everything he makes, he can pocket. And so uh, it's decent in that way, but he doesn't want to spend six months on a ship or a year on a ship, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks, a quarter or, you know, mm. every six months. And, and I wouldn't mind doing that either. That's when it's fun because, you know, you're in, you're out and, and the audiences are generally, of course, really good because what else have they got to do? So they're usually great audiences. We had some fun with the audiences. Now I wanted to ask you, were there shows on the ship that you mm. were on? There were, oh yeah, there were tons. I have to be honest with you. I only saw one. Oh. I, Fired. So, I know, I know, I know. Here's the thing. The days that we were uh, in port, I was out in visiting, port. right? I was, the days that we were at sea and there were three, I was in seminar. And I, I, I have two very favorite things in the world. Well, three, the first, of course, being Ileana, but outside of her, you meant four, <laughs> four. Oh, you. Thank you. Well, I guess you're right. Yeah, I, right. That, goes, that goes without saying, that goes uh, without saying uh, Mr. Bellotta. That's why I don't <laughs> say it. <laughs> yes. I, yes, yes. I, I sit corrected very much so. Um, and actually five, because, you know, I'd be re remiss if I didn't include our fearless producer. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know. um, but I love myself a moving body of water and breeze, wind. Oh, and right. Yes. So I was spending my nights, a uh -huh. couple of nights in the casino, but then I would go up and I would sit on the top deck and my hair would be whipping around and you'd hear the ocean, uh -huh. have my glass of wine. And I was just you know, I, I know I looked kind of stupid. People listening to this can't hear me, but to give you a visual, it was a very Zen moment. I was in kind of Zen pose with my head up and my hair whipping around. And I kept thinking, gosh, I should go see a show. But I, it was, I didn't want to leave it. I didn't. In fact, there were nights I would have slept out there. I had one little accident when we went to our first port of call. Um, and as such, I, I, 
hurt my tailbone pretty badly. So sitting, standing, walking, sleeping, fine, sitting, unless I'm in just the perfect position. Oh. Yeah. And there you are in seminars all day. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was okay as long as, but, you know, especially then you have the heat and everything. So there was all sorts of factors, but um, it was easier to sit on a uh, a padded cushion upstairs, you know, than in a theater seat. You reminded me, I completely forgot how extraordinary that is to be on the deck at Mm -hmm. night. But when the ship is really cruising, because that's normally when they pick up speed and, you know, try to barrel through to their next location. So the winds are truly at your face. And it's it's not quiet because that's all you hear is the rushing of the wind and the waves. But it's incredibly refreshing, right? It's just soul lifting. Yes. In fact, yes. there was one night, it was it was a full moon party, even though it wasn't a full moon, it was like a quarter moon. But, you know, it was part of the, they call them the Abers, the Abraham Hicks people for anybody out there who follows Abraham Hicks. And so they had what they called a white party and you, you know, you dressed in white. And so I was up above looking down. I didn't partake of the party. And the reason there was lots of music and people and it was fun, but I was just up there by myself. And I thought about going downstairs, but I was looking at the hair of the women who were walking around, even though it was still open and their hair wasn't whipping around. I'm like, nah, I don't want to go down there. It's not windy enough. Mm -hmm. So I just stayed up above and watched them. And, you know, I was content. I was happy. This was a small ship, yes, or how, how many passengers? No, 3,500, okay. and there were 700 people in the seminar that I oh, went what, to. What was the line, the cruise line? Uh, it, it, it was Celebrity. Celebrity. Yeah. Those are nice cruises. It, very nice. I was a little surprised, to be honest with you. There um, On the deck, there were two small pools right next to each other, but a little walkway, and the capacity for each pool was 22 people. Yes. And then you went to the solarium and it was a bigger pool. They were never overly crowded. Oh, I mean, I only was in the outdoor pool once just because, again, when we were at port, I was there. And when we were at sea and they they closed down. Yeah. And that's probably why it wasn't overly crowded, because were there a lot of kids on the cruise? Yes. Which for me makes me happy. A couple of there there were some complaints from other people that shall remain nameless. Um, not nobody, you know, nobody, okay. you know, yeah, no, 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 nobody. Well, then you why know. make, why are they nameless? Yeah. Well, because, you know, um, but I, I, you know, I, I like hearing kids laughter a couple of times you're walking down and you get bumped into or whatnot, but I do have to say this. Well, two things. Number one, I was very disappointed in the food on the ship. I've only done oh. one other cruise one time, and it was a weekend party cruise, carnival, or you know, it was excellent. The food on this ship was not good. So wait, go back. You said the last ship you were on was a carnival cruise line. Yeah, it was and, just down to Mexico, and it was you know a, a and weekend. How was, how was the food then? That food was good. Okay, so that really does surprise me. How long ago was that? 
Are we talking 10 years, 20 no, years? No, we're talking like 25 years. All right. I can't I remember. Think, it was either just before or just after I got married. I think it's a question of time. I want to say that when I worked on those ships, the food was incredible in the 80s. And the last few times that I went on cruises with my family, it's gotten progressively worse unless you go to one of the restaurants. And back in the day, you didn't have that option on ship. There were no restaurant outlets. There were just, well, the main dining room, the midnight buffet, wherever that might be, and you know, maybe a breakfast area, but there wasn't an Italian restaurant, a steak restaurant like there are now. Since those have come onto ships, I've noticed that the food quality, at least in my experience, has gone down. I thought Celebrity was one of the better ones, though. It is. And, and the the uh, two of the people that I was with, they've done a lot and they were surprised because they the food is always very good. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just this particular cruise. But the staff, you know, you can't, you don't want to complain because the staff is so amazing and you don't want anything to go against them. So Right. No, you don't want to complain to them. You you want mm -hmm. to complain to, you know, when you get off or, you know, to the captain or to, you never. I just wrote a little review and it exactly. wasn't even, you know, I mean, I like praise, praise, praise certain members of the team that I have a lot of interaction with. Um, in fact, the night, our last night there, I asked if I could speak to this, his name was George, and he was the manager, he's the one you wanted to say something to. And he came over and he got very concerned and was everything okay? I said, yes, I really want to compliment um, some of the staff here, the ones that I've had a lot of interaction. I said, they were just exemplary. And I really want to tell you their names and tell you how great and how fabulous they made this experience. And then the wine captain, um, bless his sweetheart, came over. I saw you talking to the to the manager. What's wrong? I said, no, Shiva, everything's great. You were wonderful. I just wanted to compliment you. I wonder. And I wanted that, to do it in per in person. I wonder if that says something about what normally happens on those cruises. The, the manager even said, usually when people call me over, it's for something bad. And okay. I said, nope, I have nothing bad to say. Only good things. I mean, it was really cute because so the, the access that um, Cher and I had was a little different than the other two people we were with. We, we had basically the main dining room we could go to. And then, of course, the buffet. The other restaurants we didn't really have access to unless we were with our friends. Well, we could have paid to go. It wasn't included in it. So I only ate at the one restaurant. Uh, a couple of times they had meals without me because um, I just wasn't hungry. Um, so I don't, I didn't get to experience that other food. I mean, it was, it was okay. It was very salty. A lot of stuff was very overcooked, you know, hmm. drink, but the last night that we were there, it got very cute. The wine captain would come over and take away three wine glasses, leave one in front of me, would bring my cut, our cousin, cup of coffee um because he wanted his coffee every night and then and you know he would come over he'd pour would you like you know yeah i'd like a glass of wine and then do you want another one no 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 i'm fine but by the last two or three nights that i was there he would just come over not even he would just pour me more wine 
And let me pour you a little more. But it was so cute. They just got to know us. They knew what we wanted. And then the the waiter that we had was so adorable. And we would all order our meals. And the next thing you know, he's bringing out three different plates of food. I want you to try this too. Wow. You know, let's talk about the waiters for a moment, the servers on their ships, because I do remember that they worked harder than anybody. Uh, maybe maybe excluding the stewards maybe not because the restaurant team and the wait the server team do three meals a day and a buffet at night Mm -hmm. if that's still happening so they would have 16 hour days every day except maybe you know when we were at port and getting on and off with new passengers, they might have an afternoon where they could run off the ship and then come back before the passengers started embarking. But they work their mm-hmm. tushies off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't believe that I've ever, ever, ever experienced a single one who wasn't pleasant, gracious, accommodating. I mean, that's how they make their money. And it's too much of a gamble not to be as you very much experienced. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people don't understand that. And it is a little frustrating because they do get harassed and mistreated. And, you know, people think because they've spent a lot of money that they have the right to berate people. And it's just not... the way it should work. And they just work so hard. The amount of time they have off in a week would kill your soul. Mm-hmm. It's they, just. They were amazing. And I would see them, you know, a Marshall, the young man I was telling you about that was calling me mama. I'd walk by in the morning and get coffee in the buffet. He'd be there at the bar mm-hmm. at 10, 11 o'clock at night. He'd be mm-hmm. there in the bar. I'm like, did you get any time off today? And then I was the one day I was at the outside pool and there was, you know, one of the waiters you know, cleaning things, bussing glasses and things like that. And he was behind somebody. And I was watching this man laying down on his chaise, just lift his beer bottle up above his head, didn't acknowledge the man, nothing. And I thought, you entitled little rat. It, I don't, it upset me so much. Because I thought, turn around, smile at him, say thank you to him, acknowledge his presence. I just, it really, I mean, I, I, I got kind of sick to my stomach watching that. It's, it's really disheartening that we've become that way. Uh, really, is it just breaks my heart. And I, 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 I know you, so I know you, you are the complete opposite of that. And and I try to be that way too because it's just it's gotten out of hand the the rudeness and the the lack of consideration for one another it's mm-hmm. just it's just too much so um, thank you for speaking up about that and for being one of the the truly righteous ones out there being a champion of everyone who works hard and you know thank puts you. their heart into it thank so. You. So let me ask you, uh, you were on the ship, Mm -hmm. you saw one show, 
What mm-hmm. was it? How was it? It was fantastic. She was fantastic. In fact, I have to go on the itinerary and look and find her for us. She, um, oh my God, I'm ha- I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Who did she sing with? Famous, and she her voice was incredible. What did she sing? It was rock music. Um, was it a show? It was a show. It was just her. And a band. And band. Um, and, and it was like, well, about a half hour. And she was American or European? Or? She's, I want to say English. She English or American? I'm sorry, I can't remember. Uh, was she? Blonde. And, and was, she, was she somebody that we should know? Yes, as a child, she sang on a very, I'm so embarrassed right now that it's not coming to me. Um, and it's as not, a child, she sang on a on a record that we all know. I will f- find it, and the next time we meet, I'll have it because she was fantastic. And I will also say, our cruise director was quite adorable. Was he a performer? Yes, he performed as well. Um, and I I know he had a couple of things he did in shows and I didn't see them. He of course hosted the one show I did see. Um, and then, you know, throughout the ship, he would suddenly do these little, like these little pop-up things, doing these little game contest things. And, uh, and he was adorable, was so vivacious and fun. I thought, well, that would be fun to do. But mm-hmm. I also know that he, they work incredibly hard. Oh, yes. You know, the thing to remember about that job is you have to be fun even when you don't feel like being Mm -hmm. fun. And it really does take a certain type of personality to uh, bring it and be on and be off and then be on and then be off. And then, you know, to just have to be on whenever, wherever, however. Yeah. He was, Uh, though. He was fantastic. You know? It was quite the showman. Wow. So uh, so you didn't meet any of the other entertainers then because you didn't see the show, so you may not have known who they were? Well, there was another couple one night up on the deck, um, just a duo, and they were lovely. So I listened to them. And, you know, bands, like when you're eating or at a bar, you, you hear them. Um, everybody I did hear with one exception was stellar there was one quartet that would play kind of in the main lobby area and i heard this sound and i went "Ooh, ooh, okay (laughs) and then i leaned over and then it got better i went oh okay it's probably a little fluke and then one of the other members started singing i went oh no and then one night they were back and they were inviting people to come up and sing. Oh, come up and sing with us. You want to sing a song? Just let us know. And I went over to this one little area and met, saw this couple that I had met. They had got married on the ship. Lovely couple from Scotland. So I was hanging out with them. And the next thing you know, somebody gets up and says, I want to sing a song. Um. Yeah, there weren't enough Manhattans that evening to erase it. Oh, my. Oh, it was so bad. 
But God bless. You know what they say when you're on stage? If you're going to do it, do it with conviction. And she sang loud and, and proud. proud. Mm-hmm. What did she sing? Do you remember? I, I, I don't think I recognized it. It was Even that though bad. it was a popular tune. Yeah. You should have. I should have. My ear, I was talking to them and I'd be like, oh, God. That's why songs are only three minutes. This one felt like a lot longer. But. I know. They feel longer. Sometimes they do feel longer. Yes. Yes. Well, we went to see Jinx Monsoon on Sunday night at the I Theater heard. in her one-woman show, which was fantastic. The they are the most incredible performer I have ever seen. I must say, other than probably Bette Midler and Streisand. I'm I'm being a little too uh, overindulgent here. Fantastic, though. Quick with the humor, uh, great with the storytelling, great with the engagement. Uh, the only problem that we had was the music. And it was really about the sound more mm-hmm. than the music. It was just, I just want to scream at San Diego theaters for yeah. the lack of attention that they pay it would be such a simple fix to add mm-hmm. another array in the center mm-hmm. and to make the sound in their theaters more intelligible uh but uh, the word is that it's up to the shows to do that but that makes no sense to me because it's a house function and yes. those line arrays are on the outside of the proscenium. So it's in the house, you know, so I I don't know why there's an expectation that a tour is going to bring a center fill and neither of those theaters have them. And we were in the center and we could not understand a single lyric, not one. And she had a five piece band behind her and we just couldn't understand it. It was just so annoying. You know, is some of that in the mix too, though? I, I wonder because it's like I always wonder why the band is over present. I mean, the band usually is so loud. I do think some of that is in the mix, but it would help because what happens is um I couldn't even tell in her show if there were amplifiers on stage because normally that's what blows the sound out because even though you're controlling it for the house, there are these amplifiers that the band is listening to and that's also pushing sound out into the house. Mm. And so that doesn't help. And I, I, I was yeah. trying to, to determine if there was or not, it was just coming out as so loud. I do think that that sometimes it's a choice because the voice isn't so strong. And so you don't want it to be so loud and proud, as you put it. Uh, and there were times probably in this performance where I would have said, yeah, let's pull pull the voice back into the mix a bit. But there were times when Jinx was singing 
custom lyrics and pointed lyrics and those couldn't be heard. And those are the times when the voice really has to pierce through. Otherwise you've done all that work. And and D'Angelo said at the end of the show, it's just so sad because they were working so hard and the audience responded in kind. The audience was great, but I can't imagine anybody heard what was being said in the song and those songs, you know, and to know, I, you know, you know me, I've written Mm -hmm. parody Mm -hmm. lyrics, lots of them. And if I'm up there and I think that people can't hear what I'm saying, I'm, I'm crushed because they don't get it. There's no No. way that they get it. Uh, Great show Saturday night. We went to see uh, Ted Sperling, uh, Broadway conductor Ted Sperling, brought a curated program of Carly Simon, Carol King, and Joni Mitchell songs to Symphony uh, Under the Stars, to the Pops uh, in the Shell, the Rady Shell. Uh, What a fun night that was. Great tunes as you can well imagine yes and yes oh so well curated uh actually in part that curation was financed by the san diego symphony uh, i didn't know that ted who has conducted a number of broadway shows uh i didn't know that he could sing and dance and uh, at the top of the second half he came out and did the james taylor part in mockingbird and uh, it was just really great. It was really great oh, to see him. I heard. I mean, it was all over Facebook. What a fabulous, fabulous event that was. What a wonderful yeah, show. It truly was. And thank you to my friend, Susan Ulovitz for yeah, she's not such only, a sweetheart. Oh, I love her. And she not only uh, arranged the tickets, but we were right up front. And here's the thing. So that is an outdoor mm-hmm. arena. All right. And I, I don't even know how many it seats. It's it's in the thousands and it is outdoors. But their sound system is four times bigger than the sound system, even at the Civic, which has thirty three hundred seats and is so complete that wherever you're sitting, you hear impeccably the not only the musicians, the symphony, but the singers in front of them. And I counted the number of, of line arrays. They have uh, 32 cabinets on either side and another Oh, my 18. God. And that's wow. just the line array. And then there are subs as well per side. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's you're just and, – and see, this is the thing. A lot of people will look at that and, and instantly think, oh, my God, it's too much. But when you have more than you need – then you're not pushing the sound so much mm-hmm. that it starts to uh, feedback on you and give you issues. You know, it's at a comfortable range and that's exactly what they do there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's piercing you. We sat right in front of the, one of those line arrays uh, in the, probably the, th- I think it was the third row from the stage. And the other thing about those speakers that people don't realize is what makes them so great for this kind of work and our work is that they don't push sound out into one direction only. They push sound into the audience, but then out over the audience 
to the back of the house. That's the way they're designed. It's mm -hmm. not like having cabinets on the floor that are just facing you. You know, it's a bit different setup. And so even though we were right under them, I never felt uncomfortable. It was really, truly a great night. Thank you, Ted Sperling and Susan Ulovitz and uh, Martha Gilmer at the San Diego Symphony for all of that. Wow. Okay. So now you were in one of my favorite cities. Chicago? Chicago is one of my favorite cities. Nah. Weren't you when You're you were in New York. New York? I do love Chicago. I do okay. love me some Chicago. But you, from what I understand, saw some pretty amazing productions. I did. I, I spent uh, what was supposed to be five nights in New York and ended up only being three nights because of some apparent weather that nobody ever experienced in New York, but definitely kept me from getting there. My flights were canceled. So uh, was it phantom weather? I, <laughs> I, I have no answer. <laughs> I have no answer. I really don't. And I'm trying to forget it because I oh, gave okay. two nights of hotel and then had to buy two nights of hotel in Chicago because I was stuck there anyway. I did go to New York. I managed to see all the shows that I went to see. I started off with, and I'm a musicals guy. There's no secret there. I apologize to those of you who don't like musicals. You can turn us off now if you like, because <laughs> I'm going to start talking about them. Yay! <laughs> I'm a musicals gal, so. Yes, exactly. Some Like It Hot. That's how I started the four shows that I saw with Some Like It Hot. I wasn't really expecting much, quite honestly. I know the story. Uh, but it was incredibly performed, sung, danced. It was directed. It was just a fun, fun, fun show. And uh, I was blown away by the tap dancing in that show. Wow. Uh, the two lead characters in the movie don't tap dance. They play instruments. The two in the show, Christian Burrell and our Tony winner, uh, they do incredible routines, incredible routines. It was like watching Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor up in, there. Yep. I just watched that scene. I just saw it the other day, the one you're talking about. Uh, are you talking about the the, the one in singing in the rain? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what it felt like in wow. in some like it hot. Uh, it was I would say the only thing, the only person I I didn't love was uh, the gal who played uh, the Marilyn Monroe part, whose name I can't remember now. I can't remember any of the character names now. Stand by. Hold on. Don't go. We might cut this part out. Don't be back. I'm not laughing, kind of. Yes, I am. I'm looking at a beautiful view outside your window, though. It's quite lovely. I'm here. I'm coming back. Don't go. <laughs> I'm such an idiot because I am a program collector. So I don't throw the programs away. I keep them. Oh, so that I can cool. talk about them because I should know these names. But those of you who know me well know that um, I've decided that mem remembering things is way overrated. Uh, 
So I, I, I don't play those games anymore. I just don't. Jay Harrison Gee as Jerry was phenomenal. He won the Tony. And this is what I love so much about his performance. Before he dons that dress. Yeah. You don't see it happening. The 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 switch from masculine to feminine was really, really articulated and not in a way that was an, it, offensive. You know, it wasn't like he was putting on a macho act. He was just very naturally, charismatically masculine. And then they start to dress as women because they need the work and they have to get away from the hoodlums. And he starts to realize that he's becoming more of himself as her. Uh And so you see that progression in his character and it's just, it's beautifully played and, and not over the top at all as over the top as that musical is those moments were really precious and real and authentic. Uh, I didn't know Christian uh, Burrell. Is that how you say his last name? I think so. I hope it is. If not, you'll have to come on the show and we'll talk about it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, let's mispronounce uh, it in as many ways as we can so we we can get him on. We should. I saw him in Legally Blonde 100 years ago and loved him then. I didn't know that he could dance the way that he can dance. I had no idea. Oh, my Lord, is this man an incredible tap dancer. It put the whole package together for me seeing him in the show. I was floored by him and his performance. The the only weak part of the show was Sugar, which is the Marilyn Monroe part. And and I, I wouldn't say she was... It's hard to top that. It's hard right. to be that sexy and innocent at the same right. time without looking like a bombshell. And she was a beautiful lady, but she wasn't a bombshell, uh, which is, I think, also easier to do in the movies than it is to portray in the movies than it is on stage, you know, because then size mm-hmm. is really. You have to be so careful about that. And she just looked a little diminutive for the role. And Mm -hmm. I think she did her best, but the sexiness has to be that. It has to be there. It has to be the given, you know, the thing that requires no work because what you have to work on is the fact that you're not trying to be sexy at all. You just are in spite of yourself. Because that was Marilyn Monroe, right? Yeah. She wasn't trying to be that. And that, unfortunately, maybe I, I'm incorrect in stating that should be my bar, but that's what I just kept kept feeling. Great voice, but I just didn't, I didn't buy her. Sweet. I'm wondering why they didn't, and maybe she's too old for what the age of this character needed to be, but Megan Hilty just does such a wonderful Marilyn. I wonder now the songs were not Marilyn-esque at all. They were not, they were not sugar-esque at all. They were, she, she was a vocalist. She's a vocalist. 
the actress who played her, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Adriana Hicks, and she can sing. She's a powerhouse singer. And that's how the songs were written. So, uh, yeah, I think it was the I think it was how it was written, because when when you do that, you sort of. When you make the voice also equally important, you sort of even put yourself in a bigger hole. Like, how are we going to cast this? I'm I'm conjecturing all of this. Maybe they had her in mind from the beginning. Audience seemed to like her. I just thought out of everyone. Well, art is subjective, right? And it speaks to you or it doesn't, or it leaves you questioning. Right. There is no right or wrong. No right or wrong. Thank you for that. I'd still recommend the show. I think it's a great time. The dancing, the choreography is incredible. Won the Tony for that. And it's obvious why. Uh, but the standout show for me, okay, I won't talk about that yet. I'll talk about, um, Shucked, which, uh, I saw with my friend, Amy, who insisted that I see it because she said that I will laugh. It's irreverent and funny and not, um, heady at all. It's really just a good time. You must see it. She'd already seen it once. And Amy is a very discerning theater goer. And she said, I liked it so much. I would see it again. So we went, we saw it again. And it was, what was the name of it again? It's called Shucked. And it is a musical about corn. And uh, basically it's a small town, some corn town in the Midwest. And uh, the corn is dying and it's their livelihood. The whole town is about corn. So (laughs) they have to figure out how to, you know, bring back the corn and fix the corn. And what strings together this really hilarious, unbelievable story are these love stories and uh, the songs that fuel them which are incredible songs. They're all legit Broadway songs and they're sung in a very, very legit way. And another Tony Award winner in this show, uh, another, uh, a non-binary, a non-binary Tony Award winner in this show who uh, was incredible, 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 incredible. And I am talking about the one and only, do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not 100% sure. I know I should know this. Alex Newell, right. I'm looking in my program and I can't find their name. Uh, Alex plays Lulu. And, uh, you know, Alex is non-binary, but uh, was a man who is transitioning or has transitioned into a woman and oh my lord the voice and the notes they hit wow it's got to be a high c up there i mean it's just incredible that's something you're born with to be able to hit those notes yeah uh so again really worthwhile not uh not a lot of uh meat in terms of a thick plot and juicy you know character development but really funny and off the cuff and a lot of funny jokes and original very original which i love i love i mean i'm all for a good revival don't get me wrong but you know 
talking about okay a really good revival sweeney todd well you know that's one of my favorites i've done oh, the show twice alex 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 this production i bet was immaculate it was such a beautifully produced production the voices were incredibly strong it was a big cast they didn't go cheap on the number of people they cast, which is important because it really makes the show come alive in the theater. Uh, 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 <laughs> Annalie Ashford, I am going to just, I guess I should really give some credence to remembering things. Annalie Ashford as Mrs. Lovett. I was concerned going in. And I said to Amy, who joined me on this show as well, uh, I said, I'm a little concerned going in about the performances. And she said, who, Josh Groban? And I said, no, I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to nail it. I'm worried about uh, Annalie Ashford playing Mrs. Lovett. I just, I can't see it. Well, I was so wrong because not only was she an incredible Mrs. Lovett, she she did things that, and I saw the original with Len Carew and Angela Lansbury. Oh. And I have to say, number one, I could understand the lyrics better coming from Anna Lee Ashford. I could understand the songs better. Uh, even though I know all the lyrics, I could mm -hmm. still understand them. I could hear them more clearly. And she did some physical bits that were priceless. She was outstanding as Mrs. Wow. Lovett. She really, really was. She stole the show. She really does steal the show. She is so precious in it. The show is phenomenal. It is, uh, it just, I think it's one of Sondheim's best works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so meaty and delicious and the Difficult to sing. Yes. <laughs> it's so difficult. Yes. Um, they did cut the Mea Culpa song, which has been <gasps> cut, I think, yeah, they didn't do it. Uh, oh, I love that number. It was cut. So for those of you who don't know the show, it's the judge's song. And it's he's basically uh, beating himself throughout this song and uh, feeling the guilt of his sins in this song. Uh, but it was cut. Yeah. The judge... Uh, I wasn't taken with the judge so much. He felt a little weak vocally. Uh, Beetle Bamford was incredible. And, you know, that's got to be a really high tenor mm -hmm. voice. Uh, and the guy who played Toby, who people know from television. Uh, here I go again. People are probably screaming at me like I should know. <laughs> you should well, be you, happy. I know my own name. Darn you know, it. you also saw a lot of shows in a packed amount of time. And that's oh. a lot of people to remember. And I there it is you. up by our wonderful producer. Uh, is it is it Gatan uh, yes. Matarazzo? Right. Yes, from Who, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Right. Right. Okay. So there, I said it. You said uh, it. You did. Yes. Uh, he was also really, really awesome. I will say, though, that I still think about um, the 
Sasha Baron Cohen Pirelli, even though he didn't do it on Broadway, he did it in the movie. And I, I will say that he still is my favorite Pirelli. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to say he was so animated and ridiculous and yeah. Yeah. And, and I, that character really calls for that. He's a buffoon. Yes. And you know, I kind of wanted to see him played that way. It's it's just more fun. Uh, my favorite show, uh, hands down, it won the Tony Award. Nobody knew why. Nobody knew it at all. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go see it. I have to see this show. I wasn't even really. Victoria Clark plays the lead. She's phenomenal. But when I saw her on the Tonys do the number that she did, I wasn't really taken. It's so hard because it was out of context. And it it really is hard to see one number out of context and get drawn in. But mm-hmm. the show is phenomenal. Now, it's about a young woman who, a young girl, she's 16, uh, but she ages four times faster than we normal people. So uh, she is basically turning 56, I think it is, or yeah, on her 17th birthday, I think it is. She's turning 56. I think that's the age. The age at which most people who have what she has die. That's the general life range of mm-hmm. people with this particular disease. And so it's her catharsis and going through that and uh, coming to a new school and meeting new kids and her relationship with those kids and her parents who are completely dysfunctional and her aunt who is uh, played by Bonnie Milligan, who won the Tony, uh, who is again, fantastic, completely irreverent and wrong in every single way and funny in every single way. Some of the songs in the show are among the funniest I've heard in a long time. Really? Uh, they're wow. almost like little soliloquies um, and they're just, hysterical ali uh mozzie who plays her mother uh was in cry baby which had a very limited run on broadway and uh again amy my friend amy and i saw it at the la jolla playhouse where it either got its start or played before it went to broadway and she was a standout even then i still remember her in that show her one number she also did kinky boots Mm-hmm. and had some fun that's a fun number as well she has one had one a couple of numbers in that but one particular one that i remember was being very character driven and fun she's really excellent musical theater actress uh wonderful cast wonderful message wonderful show uh highly 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 recommend it it's a great matinee show and what's it called it's called oh i didn't say mm-hmm. really akimbo okay I have heard of it. Okay. Kimberly Akimbo. Reasonable tickets. Uh, It will, you'll leave the theater like you want to leave the theater when you see the show. Nice. You'll leave the theater with your heart dancing in your your chest. Uh, That is the way that I left the theater when I saw that show. I also, left the theater that way the last time was when I saw Hairspray and you know I wasn't expecting that was no big you know Mm -hmm. theme the show had 
well, there's a message of racism oh, in that show. Yeah, but that's, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But but it's still a happy, feel good show. And boy, you leave that theater feeling like you just want to dance on the sidewalks. So uh, that's my my quick Broadway recap, minus the hairspray, because that was a long time ago. I just threw that in. And where did uh, you see? Did you see that in New York? Yes. I saw the first time I saw that in New York, okay. hairspray. That was it back in like 2006, seven. Yes. Mm, was it that? Was it prior Four? to that? Because I saw it when it was on its way to Broadway in Seattle, you know, and uh, I'm uh, during intermission, I walk outside and who's walking straight towards me, not meaning to walk straight towards me, but the incomparable Jack O'Brien. Oh, who directed? Yes. Shocked. <gasps> Do you know, I, I am so in love with that man. He is the kindest, most amazing director, most generous director, human. I just love him. He had, he gave me the happiest stage memories I will ever have are because of that man. I wish you could ask him to be on this show. I don't know. It's been many years. I don't know. I mean, interestingly enough, when I saw him in Seattle and he was walking, I'm like, Jack, you, you don't remember. He goes, Alex, stop it. I know who you are because I work with him every year, right? Doing the Grinch. But I'm like, I said, well, it's so out of context, you know? Um, Well, I mean, I, I did do that show for eight years and he was the director for the first three or four. Just saying, maybe you could write him a little letter. Hey, it's worth a try. Mr. O'Brien, Mr. O'Brien, would you like to be on a little show? Would you mind? So uh, we have to wrap. But before I do, uh, there's so much more to talk about. I didn't even talk about the Broadway Museum that we went to. Uh, I guess we'll have to save that for another time. And I didn't even get to talk about, uh, oh, there is one, oh, shoot. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the Broadway shows. Uh, the fact that, well, I maybe I should just save it. Uh, I'll just say it. Just say it, because I'm curious. I, I didn't say the most important thing. What I found most interesting is how they're working, the theater producers are working to engage audiences when they sit down, not when the show starts. But Oh, I love that. And in subtle, subtle, subtle ways, like um, with projection, with projection on uh, the on a screen, you know, that is uh, serving as a downstage drape, if you will, and and covering uh, secluding the the stage uh, with uh, sound effects that are, again, kind of subliminal in a way that make you feel like you're in a, a, a certain area or region you know they're doing small but effective things to bring you in even before the show starts so i'd love for people to just pay attention to that when they go to the theater to see how that's being done because that's all about engagement and one other thing i want to point out is that when i was in chicago i'm noticing even more engagement in retail how stores and brands are working to bring people into the store uh, who might 
not otherwise come in. For example, in the middle of the Nordstrom men's department in Chicago on the Miracle Mile, right there on Michigan mm-hmm. Avenue, there is a bar, a a full on, not, not a conference bar, but a full on architecturally designed bar wow with stools around it beautifully uh plopped down right in the middle of the men's store in the nordstrom voila you've now made it easier for people to shop with people who don't like to shop it's called the habitant and uh it looks like any hotel bar wow that's fun really incredible And the other thing that I saw was uh, in a retail store right off the uh, Miracle Mile called True Classic, not a brand that I'm uh, familiar with, but even before you walk in the store, you can see the foosball table just waiting for somebody to come in and play it. Uh, Again, making the shopping experience a little bit more experiential. Yeah, and fun. And fun. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Right. Uh, And it's all about, you know, the unexpected, doing the unexpected. Uh, It's something that we need to keep in mind for our events. I'm so sorry I'm saying this at the end of this talk, uh, but it is really important to keep in mind and look at the ways that we're engaging people or trying to engage Mm -hmm. them. And then noticing, is it working or not? Now, I will say that... at Kimberly Akimbo, which is the show that used the projection, I'm not sure people even really noticed what was going on, but I'm not also sure that that's important. What's important is that they're sort of lulled in. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. I love that. There's something that's a little jarring about that sudden you know looking at the program, talking to the people around you, and then boom, the lights go out and and you know that the first chord is struck. I I like the easing in a little bit of it. I think it ramps up, even again, if it's subliminal, it ramps up your anticipation in a really lovely way. And it, I think it kind of makes you feel more a part of the production. Yeah, I do. I think so. You, 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 because you're buying into it mm-hmm. slowly, you're, you're relaxing into it. I, I don't think that show had an intermission either, Kimberly Akimbo. I'm all for an intermissionless show. Oh, my Lord. I really prefer them. I love a show without an intermission. It has become my most favorite, Mm -hmm. favorite kind of show. Yeah. And I applaud all of those. Not that my applause really count, but (laughs) um, I still do it. I applaud all of those who understand that audiences just don't have the the bandwidth anymore. And if you can tell the show, if you can tell the story in 90 minutes, you're going to do great. People are going to love you. I also just, you know, you lose when you stop and it breaks and then you come back, you just, you lose momentum to me. It's harder. Yeah. It's harder to produce quite honestly, mm-hmm. because you need more, uh, you, you, you need to, what's the word? Ramp it they, back up. You need to ramp it back up. You need a song. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way that you ramp up act mm-hmm. two, you know, of course that's 
really traditional musical theater thinking. You don't really have to do that anymore. And a lot of shows don't necessarily do that anymore. You know, there's a lot more variety, but back in the day, that's how they all right. started with uh, an entre act is what it was mm -hmm. called. And it brought you into the second act. And it was a, a an abbreviated version of the orchestra, of the, mm -hmm. uh, not the orchestra, the. Uh, Overture. Like, Overture. Golly, gosh, darn it. You just did that to make me look like I knew something. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Uh, the Overture. It's an abbreviated version of that that you hear that opens the second act that, mm -hmm. you know, today don't need it as much. Right. But I agree. You don't you don't yeah. need that uh, that function. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have a second act at all, if you just have right. one act, you can just let the story go. I have to ask you real quickly, too, though. Did you see our friend in New York? No, Neil. No, not, not uh... only did I not see Neil. He's ghosted me. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, I've, I, I emailed him three times and I, I have not heard back twice before I, I went. And then a third time when I came back Aww. and I haven't heard from him. Maybe it's That's, because you didn't come. Well, I, I was going to say that, but you know, he does love me best. He loves you better. Yeah. He does love you better. <laughs> if Maybe if I were to invest, he would love me more. <laughs> There's he, that. Yeah, there is that. There's that. No. Uh, I think maybe we could probably end it here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, say, well, we haven't really said this in a long time, but let's just say till next time. Till next time. Yes. Afida Zane. Ciao. <laughs> Arrivederci. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.